Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I was honored when you asked me to be on the podcast. I mean, if RG3 asked you to be on his podcast, right? I don't do that many podcasts, but, you know, listen, you gave so much to the franchise. <laughs> that I'm now responsible for and you gave your life to it. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to RG3 and the Ones presented by Wave Sports and Entertainment. I'm your host, Robert Griffin III, a.k.a. RG3. Some of you may know me as the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback at Baylor University. Others may know me as the Rookie of the Year NFL Pro Bowler for the Washington Commanders. But, you know, at the end of the day right now, I'm more known for these grandma glasses, okay? Now, I just want y'all to know that I don't want you to be hating on these glasses. These spectacles right here, you know, Coach Prime would probably wear them. Maybe if he wore them, y'all wouldn't get on them. But for me, these things are cool. And I don't know why y'all think they're not. Even your grandma and your mama was wearing them back in the 1970s and 1980s, and trends tend to repeat themselves. So come along with me and RG3 and the Ones as we're going to have new episodes dropping every single Thursday. So subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow us on social media at RG3 and the Ones so you can get the daily clips that we will be dropping to get you excited about the new episodes coming on Thursdays. So, coming up in this episode, the ones joining the very first episode will be the one who is just built different, Mr. DK Metcalf. We also have the one who builds and revamps organizations, or should I say sports franchises, Mr. Josh Harris. And lastly, I'm going to let you know the three guys or three players to watch heading into week three that I want you to keep your eyes on. But first... Let me get a few things off my chest. It's really been bothering me what's going on with the running back situation in the NFL. A lot of people will say that running backs have become devalued because the game has turned into a passing league. That is true. There has been a devaluing of the running back to where it's not like Barry Sanders and Walter Payton and Eddie George and all the great running backs that you can ever think of and the way they played it. They were actually mostly just running backs, which is why a guy like Barry Sanders, a guy like LaDainian Tomlinson, a guy like Marshall Falk, they made it special because they could do more things than just run between the tackles. Well, what we've seen in today's game is over the last 10 years, almost every single position in the NFL has seen their the price of what they're getting paid raise, right? The, the wages, the average salary of their highest paid players has gone up but not for the running back position. It's almost stayed stagnant the entire time. So for me, the question is, I understand if you don't want to pay the sixth round pick or the guy that just had only one great year, but when you have a guy like Saquon Barkley, you have a guy like Josh Jacobs, you have a guy like Nick Chubb, those guys are special. Christian McCaffrey, that's a special running back. Jonathan Taylor, that's a special running back. These guys can do it in more ways than one. They can catch the ball in the backfield. They can line up in the slot and they can run routes. Or they can just be one of the most dynamic ball carriers like a Nick Chubb was. Well, 
it feels as though NFL evaluators want to devalue the running back position, not pay them as much, not increase their wages, but then also overuse them in the game. So to say, I know $12 million is a lot of money. I know that $8 million is a lot of money. But if you're a running back and you have to do the same things that an offensive lineman has to do, you have to do the same things that a tight end has to do. You have to do the same things that a wide receiver has to do. But yet you're getting paid less than all of those guys. It's no longer a question of, well, that's enough money. It's a question of, are they being paid the value of what they bring to the team? I don't think that's happening. I think it's wrong. I think the running backs are getting hosed in negotiations due to it. And when I see a guy like Nick Chubb go down like he did, and now his season will be over, and you see a guy like Saquon Barkley, who signed a deal this year that gave him an opportunity to make more money through incentives, and he's going to miss a few games, so now he's unlikely to hit those incentives, it just feels to me like there needs to be a change. And that change has to come from a strike. It's the only way that running backs will ever get their due diligence. And honestly, it's the only way that all players will get their due diligence. NFL running backs, like most players, but even more so for running backs, they spend the the majority of their lifetime or the majority of their prime years on their rookie contract. Because of that, when it's time for them to get paid four, five, six years down the road, NFL evaluators are saying, hey, man, you got a lot of hits on your body. You've taken a lot of carries and we're not going to pay you. $20 million a year because your chance of getting hurt has increased uh, you know, exponentially. Well, at the same time, if we were able to do a strike and players all uni united together and said, all right, we're going to go and we're going to eliminate franchise tags. We're going to eliminate all tags. We're going to make rookie contracts only three years to match the average lifespan of an NFL career, which is three years. Everybody will get to free agency faster. Running backs that come into the league at 22 years old will get paid when they're 25 or 26, as opposed to getting paid when they're 27 or 28 years old. That will make it to where all positions benefit. People getting to free agency faster will increase the amount of money that players are making. And I know you're saying to yourself, man, I'm a teacher at home or I, I sell insurance or, or I'm a football coach at my local high school. These guys are making so much money. Why are we even talking about this? Well, for NFL players, it's not about the amount of money that they're making. It's about the amount of money that they're making the NFL. And the NFL does not survive without its players. If every single player decided to strike, the Patrick Mahomeses, the Josh Allens, the Joe Burrows, the Lamar Jacksons, yes, the NFL would try to go find more guys like them, but they're not going to find those guys. Those guys are unique. They're the faces of the league. They're the ones that make everything go. And for the players, they got to take that power back and say, all right, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to sacrifice for the now so that the future players that come into this league don't get taken advantage of by having their wages suppressed, especially at the running back position. So I think NFL decision makers are doing the smart thing but it's not the best thing for the running backs. And they've got to find a way to bridge that gap. The second thing I want to talk about is Henry Blackburn. He's a safety for Colorado state. He hit a wide receiver slash cornerback from Colorado named Travis Hunter late in their rivalry game and actually lacerated his liver. Now there's been a range of opinions on this whole thing. 
Some people saying it was a dirty hit. Some people saying it was just a football hit. Some people saying that the game has become soft. Well, I'm here to tell you guys, it's definitely not because the game's become soft. Henry Blackburn hit Travis Hunter well after the play was over. The ball had already hit the ground. He saw the ball hit the ground. And when he hit Travis Hunter, the sole purpose of hitting him was to try to hurt him and send a message. Henry Blackburn should have been thrown out of that game. And if he wasn't thrown out of the game by the referees, which he wasn't, his coach should have pulled him out of the game because there's no place for cheap shots in any sport, especially a sport as dangerous as football, there, there should never be accepted. So I will go so far as to say that Henry Blackburn knows what he was doing and it was wrong. It was dirty. But once we get to the conversation about football becoming soft, that's not the case. Listen, I know that between those whistles, these guys are trying to hit each other as hard as they possibly can within the rules of the game and enforce their will on another man. But when you look at what Henry Blackburn did, it was not within the scope of the game. It was not between the whistles. The play was clearly over. And if guys are getting eliminated or should I say suspended for illegal hits with targeting because we want to take the head out of the game, then that play to me certainly looked like Henry Blackburn was targeting Travis Hunter and he should have been thrown out. But that's where I stopped. Anybody that is saying that Henry Blackburn should not be able to play football ever again is dead wrong. Anybody who is saying that he should be kicked out of the school and never allowed to see a football field anymore is dead wrong. And anyone who is out there sending death threats to Henry Blackburn and his family is, is just not right. It's inhumane. Football is a game. Coach Prime himself said that Henry Blackburn has been forgiven. He should be able to pursue his NFL dreams. He should be able to pursue whatever it is that he wants to do in life, get his degree and have no negative ramifications from what happened on that football field. The world has vilified him very well so because of what he did. But now that that is over, we should not ever take it to the point of trying to actually go out and send death threats to a young man. He's still a young college player. His family should not be subjected to that. He should not be subjected to that. And I pray that everyone or anyone who had Twitter fingers and decided to send those death threats understands how they are impacting not only this young man, but his family, his mental health, and the game of football. Fan is short for fanatic, but it should never get to the point where it becomes a life or death thing. So we need to stop. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. That. All right, everybody. Now we're going to welcome to the show the very first guest on RG3 and the Ones, a.k.a. the one who is built different, the man, the myth, the legend, the dyed hair wearing, the track and field running, the touchdown catching, DK Metcalf. Welcome to the show, my guy. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. This is a throwback for me, man. Like It's throwing me way back to when you got drafted. You came down to, to the Baltimore Ravens facility, as we call it, the castle. That's the first time me and you ever had a chance to meet each other. Right. You know, you were you're still very humble. You were humble then. 
It was an honor to meet you then. But to see what you have done in the NFL has been nothing short of amazing, man. Just how much have you grown as a person, as a player since that last time we met? Um, I would say since the first time we met back in 2019, uh, I've grown a lot uh, as a person, as a player, as a, as a individual, a man, a son, you know, a big brother. Um, I just my outlook on life is totally different. Um, you know, I was just excited to be in the NFL, um, you know, at that point or excited just to be drafted, not going the first day really, uh, you know, left a chip on my shoulder and and, you know, led me to be the person that I am today to where I was trying to prove a lot of people wrong. But, you know, I'm not in that business anymore. I'm just trying to right. you know, prove myself right and just glorify God with the you know gifts that he uh, was able to bless me with. Talk, talk about that a little bit, because I think that transition from trying to prove people wrong uh, to proving yourself right is a huge one. At least it was in my life. When did that moment happen for you? Uh, I would say like two years ago um, okay. and a big person who helped me with that was Tyler Lockett. Um, you know, he was always, uh, you know, in my corner or anytime I ever had needed anything to talk about. Um, he was always there for me. So coming off of uh, my second year, um, you know, I, I uh, made the Pro Bowl and was second team all pro and you know, everything was just going right for me. And then, you know, coming off the next the following year, my third year, you know, we were losing. Right. Uh, my stats weren't where I thought they would be, but. Uh, at the end of the day, I just had to look at myself and just look at uh, the type of person that I was going to uh, be on film and, you know, how were the other 31 teams going to, you know, respect me or view me as a player. And, um, you know, that's really just what I turned my focus into is just winning e every play and winning every one-on-one -on -one matchup, uh, you know, like it was, you know, fourth down or third down or in the right. game uh, situations because you know, that's really what, uh, you know, makes a, a player great is, you know, his consistency in winning one-on-one -on -one matchups. Yep. And, and I, I'm, I'm happy for you that you were able to make that transition. And the real important piece there is that you're not built like anybody else. I know a lot of people like to compare you to other past receivers, um, you know, Megatron being one of those guys, but you're, you're your own unique being. And so the question I wanted to ask you was just when you try to look at your own game, who do you try to emulate? Who are you trying to be? that shows different layers of who D DK Metcalf can be? Because I don't think you're like one individual guy. Right. Um, well, I, I watch a lot of uh, Terrell Owens, mm. uh, Randy Moss, okay. and Calvin Johnson are, are three of the big ones that I watch. Um, and uh, Julio Jones, uh, I forgot to mention him. I uh, watch a lot of those four guys like day in, day out, whenever I get bored. I got you know, a couple of their seasons downloaded on my iPad. Whenever I get bored, I'll just pull one up and just go through all 16 of their games, 17 if they made the playoffs, 18, you know, so on and so forth. So, right. um, you know, just watching them and just seeing not only how their demeanor was with running routes, but how they carried themselves throughout the whole game and how they blocked and how they, you know, ran each route and, you know, how it, the quarterback was looking for them and how they always stepped up and made the big plays. So um, that's pretty much what I, what I look at, uh, you know, in those four receivers. When you talk about those four guys, if you had to pick just one and say, all right, this guy is the one of one at the position that, you know, if I can just do some of these things, which one would it be? And what part of their game are you trying to add to your own? Um, well, can I go by each individual? Because I don't want to leave Go one for out. it. Go for it. Uh, They're all one of ones I feel you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, with Randy Moss, I would say uh, his deep threat ability. Mm -hmm. uh, with Terrell Owens, I would just say how he attacked the ball and how he could turn just a normal slant route or a hitch route into, you know, a 70, 80-yard touchdown or right. how Calvin Johnson always went in 
bodied the DB or went up and got the ball aggressively whenever Matt Stafford always threw the ball downfield or uh, with Julio Jones or how he ran every route full speed and was able to break down like he was a 5'8", 5'9", receiver. So <laughs> I try to look at all of those uh, aspects of every receiver and try to you know, see what can I get better at and how can I get better at it. No, I think, you know, you know this now, being a player, being under the microscope, like the question can be asked to you, but you're in, you're in control of like the answer that you give back. And I'm a big proponent of I don't love comparing guys to other guys. Right. right. No guy, no two guys are exactly the same. So I think that approach that you're taking of listen, these are four of the greatest receivers this game has ever seen. I wanna right. I don't wanna be like them. I wanna be DK Metcalf. But exactly. as being DK Metcalf, I can take things from each of their games it's, it's, because correct. they are some of the greats. So I think you're on to something there and more people should emulate that type of behavior. Now to to move that conversation forward. The question I have for you now is that transition from going from Russell Wilson to Geno Smith. Just talk to us a little bit about how difficult it is to adjust to a new quarterback, especially when you had a guy like Russell who was, you know, a, a mentor type guy, really took you under his wing and and has a different way of playing the game than Geno does. Um, well, I will say this about Geno. Uh, I, he got here my rookie year. So me and Geno pretty much have been there yep. the same amount of years and uh, he was like an extension of us whenever I needed gotcha. to talk to him about something. Um, and I know every uh, Tuesday when we come we come in, he would all have already watched film with Russ. So right. he would already give me, you know, the bits and pieces that they talked about in the quarterback room. So, you know, I can take it into the receiver room or to the practice field or to the to the meeting room and I'll already start, uh, you know, emulating uh, em- Adding in my bad, trying to I know what you mean. Word. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Add <laughs> uh, in the types of releases, uh, you know, that I was going to do. Um, but with Russ, you know, you don't have to always finish your route. Like he right. is so quick to scramble or be looking for the big play that you don't always have to finish your route. And transitioning to Geno to where you have to finish your route and you okay. have to, you know, finish the concept and know what other routes are around you for the scramble uh, play to happen. Uh, I would say that was the biggest adjustment for me because, you know, I was so used to, all right, three seconds, I don't got the ball, all right, let's scramble. But right. Gino is like, Gino's going through his progression, like, all right, one's not right. open, two's not open, three's not open, all right, then let me scramble. Right. So that's that was pretty much the, the biggest adjustment for me. Um, they pretty much talked the same, had the same lingo, had the same, you know, um, actions in the uh, meeting room to where if he saw something, he would lean over and, and give me a tidbit of information. But right. they were always studying. So they're always trying to perfect their craft in the meeting room, on the field, always finishing their their uh, reads, even if the first read was open. So they had right. a lot of a, a lot of similarities, uh, you know, on the football field and in the meeting room. All right, DK. So I, I don't know if you saw, but they were getting on me about my glasses. Everybody calling them grandma glasses. I don't think they're grandma glasses. What, what do you think about these bad boys? I mean, I saw the pick on Twitter and you know, I, couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't find a difference. <laughs> if, 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 if you want to start. You're you you talking about the golden girl picture. Yeah. I mean, I listen, saw that one. Listen, man, she's a legend. Okay. If they compare me to her, that's awesome. Can, but they need to get off me about the glasses. It's just fashion. All right. So now let, let's get serious here. Talk about the glass. Talk about everything with you so far. There's a hot debate right now about what is the harder position to play. So, in your opinion, what is the hardest position in football to play? After quarterback. After quarterback. Corner. 
That's big coming from a wide receiver. Why do you think corner is harder to play? Because you have to basically do everything backwards. Like you're running backwards. You're reading backwards. You're looking at everything backwards. And you're it's a reactionary position. So you can't guess and always be right. Like you have to go right. off of the receiver or, or film study or whatever the offense is showing you. So you can't always guess right. So you have to have great eye discipline. So I think I always say like the corner cornerback is the second hardest position on the field behind quarterback any day of the week. No, I, I agree with you. I'll go ahead and lay down my hot take as well. Right. The, at the end of the day, receivers know where they're going. DBs, right. like you said, it's a reactionary position. It's very tough to like I, the way that I look at it is if I'm a DB, I can get beat five times a game and still be one of the greatest ever. Exactly. Right? Now at wide out, you drop five balls. <laughs> You're not, you're not even making the bus the next week. You're right. All right? But, at, but at DB, they, they can get beat on five slants to give up maybe 50 yards, and they'll be like, yo, that was a great game by this DB because mm-hmm. it's, it's tough to play that spot. Now, you can't give up five for 150, but right. if you give up 50 yards receiving, it's not the end of the world. So I agree with you on that. Cornerback is certainly the hardest position to play outside of quarterback. Don't wear those glasses if you're playing corner. <laughs> oh, my God. He's getting all about the glasses. The Come on, DK. <laughs> Listen, and maybe, maybe if I wear the glasses, I can see the route a little bit better. <laughs> no, nah, you don't feel nothing. <laughs> you feel the history book, if anything. You don't read the history books. All right, we go. I got you. I got you. All right, so the next question I have would be pertaining to things that are hard to do. I, I took my hat off to you when you decided to go run at that track meet a few years back because a lot of guys talk about speed and they talk about football speed and what they could or couldn't do. But not many guys are willing to really step up to the plate and go and run at that track meet. What inspired you to go do that? Um, I've always had a like I ran track in middle school, high school and always loved it. Um, So, you know, the passion was already there, you know, to run in a track meet. And, you know, I just decided to go out there and just see how fast I was. It really wasn't, you know, anything, you know, special or or uh, tough thinking for me. Right. right, it was the off season, so I had plenty of time to to train, um, and it was just a matter of waking up and just being committed to, you know, going to training, you know, every right. day, and um, you know, my diet wasn't really where it needed to be during that moment. Um, but uh, if I was to do it over again, uh, which I'm planning to do it uh, this next off season for the 2026 uh, Olympics, but um, yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to one day make it to the Olympics. Oh, that now that's that's must be some G3 classified information, because I don't think I've ever heard you say that anywhere else. And, no, and like I like I said, I, I, I tip my hat to you because a lot of guys would be afraid of that. They would just talk about it and not do it. But you went and did it. So what what makes you have that drive to want to run at the Olympics someday? Um, just to be different. I mean, I, you see Bo Jackson play multiple sports and you know, mm. Deion Sanders play multiple sports. So, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, classify myself and. Uh, you know, one of the greatest athletes to ever walk this earth conversation, uh, you know, just by stepping, uh, going outside of, uh, of the box and uh, outside of my football realm and just, you know, inserting myself into the track world. Oh, man, that is beautiful to hear. Uh, that is great. And I know there's been like a little bit of debate between you and Tyreek Hill upon who's the fastest. So instead of asking you who the fastest is, because I know what you're going to say, all right, you're going to say it's you and you're going to say I got these glasses on and I, you know, the glasses that I had on, I should put them back on to make sure I know that you're the fastest. I'm going to beat you to that joke. But who are your top three fastest guys in the NFL? And you can include yourself in this list. Who do you yeah. think are the top three fastest in the NFL? 
I would say me, uh, Tyreek Hill, and uh, Tariq Woolen. Ooh, okay. See, not, 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 not everybody knows about Tariq Woolen. I, I know about him. Long corner. You know, some people think he's maybe not as uh, fast quickly, but we're talking about long speed, like 100-meter dash type speed. He can definitely pick him up and put him I mean, down. The way he the way he stays with me strap for stride in practice, he is very fast, and he does it effortlessly. <laughs> so it, it, it'll be scary if, you know, he really tried to run fast. Okay, so now before I let you go, because I know you got to get to meetings and everything, we don't want to get in the way of all that. We want you to go out there and, and ha- you know go for 150 this week. I'm speaking that into existence right now for you, my brother. Okay, appreciate it. You got to be happy with what you have while you're pursuing what you want. Right. Exactly. So that comparison, like me and you, we could sit here and be like, hey, man, I wish I was a billionaire. I wish I was this. I wish I was that. I wish I had this jet or this boat. And it's like, would that would that really make you more happy than you are right now? I don't think it would, as long as you're appreciative of what you do have and don't take anything that you have for granted. So exactly. we all want those things. We all want to have nice things. Who doesn't like nice things? I mean, you got a nice nose ring. I don't have a nose ring, but I could, I could maybe get one, you know, but I'm not going to compare my nose and be like, you know what? I'm just not happy right now because I don't have DK Metcalf's nose ring. There's an opportunity for all of us to, to kind of take what we have in life, maximize it while we continue to pursue the things that we want. Your work ethic is a reason that you're built different. And I'm so happy to see that from that time we met, in 2019 to now, you might have grown as a person, but your humbleness and, and who you are has not changed, my man. That's that's a big thing. And I look forward to seeing you at one of these games down the road. Keep going, doing your thing, brother. Yes, sir. I appreciate you for having me, too. All love. We'll talk soon, my guy. All right, bet. Appreciate it. Today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. As an athlete, analyst, and more importantly, a father of four girls, I can tell you firsthand there's subscriptions for everything these days. From all the kids' favorite streaming services to my go-to fitness programs, and I gotta be honest, people, sometimes it feels impossible for my wife and I to keep track of every single subscription we pay for each month. But that's why we are such big fans of Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills. All in one place. With Rocket Money, you can easily cancel the subscriptions you don't want anymore, like maybe the streamer your kids have grown out of or the meal prep service you've totally gotten over. And you can finally say goodbye to all those long hold times and annoying emails with customer service that eat into your family time. Trust me, I know. Because Rocket Money does all the work for you. Stop wasting money on things you don't use, cancel your unwanted subscriptions, and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash RG3. That's rocketmoney.com slash RG3. RG3 in the Ones episode one is sponsored by BetterHelp. To be one of one, you got to make sure you're staying on top of your mental health and getting the help you need to keep on changing the game. It's professional, it's affordable, it's convenient, and it's effective. BetterHelp offers you therapy that is convenient from a large range of licensed therapists, and all you have to do is pay a low, flat fee for your sessions. Like many athletes, you may find yourself always on the go. 
and BetterHelp's mission is to make sure anyone can get the help they need anytime and anywhere. BetterHelp brings you licensed and experienced professionals from marriage therapists, happy wife, happy life, or family therapists, because if your kids get to acting up, you might need some help, counselors and social workers at the click of a button. Get the help you need to become the best version of yourself with BetterHelp by going to betterhelp.com backslash RG3. And if you get started today, you can receive 10% off your first month of therapy. That's an awesome deal, people. Wow, what an interview there with DK Metcalf. Want to thank him for coming on the show. And now we're going to get to the one who revamps and restructures and builds up organizations, the one and only Josh Harris. So now to welcome one of the first guests to RG3 in the ones, we got the man, the myth, the legend, the one who rebuilds and revamps sports programs and organizations the one who absolutely saved my team that drafted me. The one, the only, Josh Harris. Welcome to the show, brother. Great to be here. Great to be here. That's a, quite an introduction. You should take me everywhere with you. <laughs> I might, I might. I'm going to hold you to that now. So to get this bad boy kicked off, uh, just talk to us about why was it that the Washington franchise was the one for you? Look, I grew up with the franchise. I mean, I grew up a Commanders fan and uh, I was, uh, you know, kind of, cheering uh since uh as long as i can remember uh, i remember uh, being eight years old and watching the commanders lose to the washington football right, right, team right. lose to the uh, dolphins 14-7 <laughs> and the block gary premium kick and uh the mike pass return and all that and then i remember billy kilmer and joe theisman and the hogs and all of it daryl green and you know all the way through so um this was really different for me this was personal so it was really uh really lucky that uh, for me, because I had thought about the NFL, the NFL is uh, you know an incredible league and an incredible group right. of teams. Obviously, I'd looked at an NFL franchise before this, and I'm just so happy the way that this worked out. It ended up working out, you know, exactly the way it should have. No doubt about it. So, you know, you've gone and you've done this before, right? You you took over the 76ers, you took over the New Jersey Devils, and you've really, you know, brought those those organizations back to prominence. What is it that you first look to inside of a sports organization to say, all right, I got to go attack this first and foremost to turn this bad boy around? Yeah. So, look, I mean, obviously it all comes back to culture and people, right? These are all, uh, I mean, every um, franchise, right, has uh, the same, you know, inalienable rights to participate and win. But the franchises that win, um, you know, the, the people that are involved, whether they be you know, on the field, off the field, um, you know, the different when you uh, get involved with the sports franchise, everyone from the person, um, you know, taking your ticket to uh, a player, right, who's going to have a lot more in some sense visibility right. to the coaching staff, to the, you know, people serving food. I mean, everyone really is involved and the community is involved, the whole community, the whole city. Uh, it's, you know, really uh, has to show up. And so, um you know, you start with uh, who are the people involved and like, what's the culture? Is there a culture that, um, you know, that uh, treats people respectfully? Is there is it an inclusive culture? Is it is it welcome a diversity of opinions? Is it focused on excellence and winning? And so um, that's how I approach it. And it's it, we ultimately, um, you know, try to go. It's got to be a group of people that are all united, singing the same way and uh looking for the same goal, and then you ultimately end up with a winning franchise. 
that's how we do it. Culture and people. Yeah, you, you've done it, like you said, multiple times. So in the first two months uh, of being the the new owner of the Washington Commanders, just how has that experience been for you? And like the fan reception, because I know when I came back to the game, it was incredible to see everywhere you went, the fans were just going crazy. So look, I've been incredibly humbled and excited about like Washington is coming out in force. I knew that this was a sleeping giant because I grew up here, right? I remember walking down East Capitol Street and I remember the crowds and I remember RFK. I was, you know, there and I remember being an eight-year-old kid (laughs) and looking up, peering up at Jack Ken Cook's box, right? And saying, wow. That's the owner. You know, I remember my dad saying that to me. And I remember the unity that occurred when the teams, you know, won the Super Bowl. But the notion that uh, Washington would come out like this, that we've sold out our first two games after the stadium being less than full, the support that the team has gotten, that I've gotten, um, you know, it's, it's just it's unheard of in sports. And so it's a tribute to Washington and Washington fans. And the DMV. So thank you, DMV. Thank you for showing up and <laughs> keep it going. By the way, the the, the players, are the most important people, the people that actually, you know, players win championships. Um, owners don't yeah. win championships. Uh, truthfully, um, coaching staffs help win championships, but it's really the players that win on the field. And they really appreciate right. I mean, they've all said, many of the players have said to me, you know, wow, this is so different. And, you know, obviously – you know, it's so far they're delivering, right? And things are yep. happening differently than they might have otherwise. And so the fans really matter. So please keep showing up. Yeah, the fans have been incredible. And like you said, the teams 2-0. and oh, uh, I know from my time being there in D.C. that there's not a better fan base in the NFL than Washington Commanders fans. And when the team is winning, the city, it just it lights up. So talk to us a little bit about you know, seeing all of not just the fans come back, because that's been phenomenal, sold out games hit left and right, but also having the alumni come back. How important has that been for you? Yeah, look, obviously, um, this is a uh, winning franchise with a deep culture and a deep tradition. And, you know, um, you know, getting Daryl Green to come back. I mean, my first two calls when I uh, bought the franchise were to Daryl Green and Art Monk, and I had heard that they hadn't been you know, as involved or whatever. And, you know, you obviously you coming back and, uh, you know, the reception you got from the fans and, you know, having uh, Sonny Jurgensen and uh, Billy Kilmer there in the box for the opening game. And then there's uh, we're hosting a dinner for more than 150 alumni. And, you know, it's people that um, have put their heart and their soul into this franchise. They are the franchise. And what better way of, um, you know, developing uh, a culture and tradition than by honoring, you know, and treating respectfully, right, the people that uh, come have come before you and that have created the franchise in essence. And that, you know, treating people in that way and everyone seeing that and the current players seeing it, I mean, you know, that reverberates back on them that they're they're part of something bigger, that this is bigger. Um, Even for me personally, I mean, I've obviously done had the opportunity to do a lot of, you know, interesting and good stuff in my life. But we're, this is a big thing. It's We're part of something bigger. It's about, um, you know, uniting the DMV. And, you know, obviously Washington is arguably the most important city in the world. And, um, you know, so um, these older legends, you know, that – and, look, I respect. I mean, I, obviously um, I get to see firsthand – you know, what certainly uh, the players on the commanders go through, what Jonathan Allen goes through, right. what Sam Al goes through. Yep. Uh, and I, you know, I've lived with uh, Joel Embiid for many years, thankfully, and seeing mm-hmm. all the Tyrese Maxey, seeing all the Sixers and, you know, Jack Keys and the Devils. And, you know, people don't appreciate 
I mean, obviously you appreciate it, but people don't appreciate like how intense it is to be a professional athlete uh, oh. and, you know, how much scrutiny is on you and how much stress is on you and how much of your life force you give. And therefore, I think being thankful to the legends and being like, please come back. Like, what can we do for right. you? You know, that's why, you know, when you were, I was honored when you asked me to be on the podcast. I mean, if RG3 asked you to be on his podcast, right? I don't do that many podcasts, but, you know, listen, you gave so much <laughs> to the franchise that I'm now responsible for and you gave your life to it. So, uh, you know, and, it, and, you know, obviously, you know, it had a profound effect, but, you know, so I think that, um, yeah, that's the way I look at it. I appreciate that. And I just want to say, uh, you know, I was able to tell you when I came back and went to the game how much I appreciate you and what you've done for the franchise. But just for me personally, uh, with everything, like you just said, I, I gave my football life to, to the Washington Commanders and, you know, my knees and, and everything in between. Uh, but to give me the opportunity to come back and, and have your team, you know, instruct your team to have me do the welcome home video uh, because I had been away from the franchise for so long and so many other uh, alumni had been away from the franchise for so long. It meant the world to me. Uh, and to be able to run on the field again with my daughters uh, out there and get the reception from the fans, like I told you, and you know this, the fans have always been the the foundation of the franchise and what makes it go when the fans show up the team is better uh, it's not always the team being better making the fans show up so i just wanted to say personally thank you for that thank you for being inclusive and allowing me uh to be in your circle you say and if i ask you to do the podcast you can do the podcast and it's and it's like listen man if you ever ask me to do anything for the commanders i'm there in the in the drop of a hat drop of a dime and uh, I really appreciate that from you. I love to hear that. And you're welcome anytime. And like, and like, it all reverberates back, right? At the end of the day, treating people right, um, having them come back, like everyone, um, you know, sees you know everything you do in sports. And you're on the one hand, you have an incredible opportunity, but on the other hand, you know, you live in you live in a lot of scrutiny. And that's why you know these types yeah. of things are super important. And you know, you're you being back is super important. I mean that the loudness of the, you know, cheers, you know, when you showed up and, you know, in the suite and all that, that was, you know, important. So um, you're welcome anytime. Please come back. No, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And, you know, the next thing I want to, you know, kind of dive into quickly is just um, your relationship with, with the coaches, yeah. right? Ron Rivera gets his hundredth win and they're giving out game balls. I feel like you got like seven game balls in the preseason, <laughs> but uh, that's, that's neither here nor there. You, you now have the, the, the game balls from the first win at home. And, and just how has that experience been with a coach coming in as a new owner and, and being able to support the coach that's already there? Yeah, look, first of all, I mean, obviously the team has so far experienced, um, you know, I'm the only under, I'm an undefeated owner in the NFL. Thank you uh, to the commanders <laughs> players. And, Thank you to Ron and uh, his staff and Eric and everyone. Uh, but, um, you know, look, I think that uh, being able to uh, witness firsthand, you know, the um, leadership that Ron and his coaching staff are exhibiting, uh, it's about uh, its unity. You know, Ron doesn't want it to be about him. He, he wants it to be about the team. And you just feel that, you know, in the air. And, you feel like a winning culture uh, developing and you feel, um, you know, the team growing. Right. And you saw right. some of the resilience you know, in Denver uh, in terms of, you know, some adversity, some difficulty in the first half and then you know, the end of the first half and then the second half. Right. And so 
you know, that's all like the team is, you know, learning how to win. It's a younger team, but they're really together. And so being in the locker room for those moments, right, you actually truly get to feel it's palpable versus just reading about it or whatever. And so it's been uh, great to, um, you know, to, to be there and listen, uh, you know, that, you know, Ron's a, a um, he's um, done a lot in his life, right, from being a player to overcoming, right. you know, a difficult illness to now uh, being at 100 wins. I mean, obviously, he's a winning coach, you know, here right. in other places. And so hopefully he can just bring it forward. So it's been great. And uh, it's early days, but, uh, you know, we, we're, we, you know, we speak often and we have a I'm watching, you know, the team gel. And so hopefully we can keep it up, keep it going. No, for sure. Definitely want to keep it going. And yeah, obviously got a tough going. stretch here. Uh, for the commanders. But when I look at the team right now, it, it does remind me of where it was when, when I first came in. Obviously, not a lot of sustained success uh, in yeah. previous years. But now you bring in, obviously, a new owner and yourself. Uh, you bring in a guy that a lot of people around the league believe should be a head coach already in Eric Bieniemy. And although Sam Ha was not a the high pick, like second overall pick in the draft, he does have a very awesome opportunity here to to lead this team and, and potentially be the quarterback one for time to come. Just how impressed have you been with Eric Bieniemy and also Sam Howe so far this year? Yeah, so first of all, Eric is uh, and he's an intense presence uh, and uh, <laughs> right. he's on it, right? And he he makes it yes, known he, he makes it known that uh, he's there to deliver and that's infectious. And uh, obviously, the offense is dyna- is more dynamic than it was in terms of you know, kind of the mobility of it, how much we're throwing. Um, and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think that so far the offensive line is doing a good job of protecting Sam. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of weapons around Sam. And he's, you know, look, he's delivering. I mean, it's he's, he's young, he but, you know, he's had three starts now, right, or three games. So, uh, yep. you know, but certainly, I mean, watching him uh, in Denver, you know, and obviously in Washington against Arizona, uh, and watching, you know, you know, we were struggling early, but then, uh, you know, del- him delivering, you know, he had that strike to Terry and, you know, like, all, you know, how much he delivered on the field, uh, you know, he's, right. he's exhibiting a lot of maturity and leadership. I mean, the team, you know, voted him, you know, in as captain and you just watch him yep, running the sure team. Did. Right. And it's just obvious that there's, you know, that there's a lot of potential there. So I'm, very hopeful and it's very exciting and obviously you know the d is the d it's been solid and good for a while and the d line you know just keeps uh, they got to keep doing what they do right and that that opens up a lot of you know opportunities so i think that um you know we have a good you know obviously some good young talent you know and you know and in coverage and so like it's listen let's let's keep it going <laughs> exactly so you, know, you talk about about keeping it going uh, and you just mentioned that you're the only undefeated owner in the <laughs> NFL which I think I think we should do a graphic on that. That's that's it's, yeah, it's you true. Know, we know it's not going to last forever, but uh, just, let's let's <laughs> but, brag hey. about it while we got it. You know, there you go. While we got it, we'll brag exactly. about it. And so the que- the question I have for you now, as an owner in the NFL, uh, there's a big issue with uh, turf versus grass, and how when the World Cup gets here, all the NFL stadiums are changing out their turf and turn it into grass uh, because that's part of the requirements for it coming to the United States. Where do you as an owner sit on turf versus grass and, and whether NFL stadiums should all be natural grass? Because I know from my own experience, I've been hurt on both turf and grass. 
Uh, but the grass at FedEx probably wasn't real grass uh, for many, many years. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, obviously I'm focused on, I mean, you have a, a, a tremendous investment, you know, in your roster, right? And you, you got to sort of be looking out for people. And so, like, I'm sort of focused on, you know, player health, player safety. I mean, obviously, you know, I'm taking a little bit of, you know, my lead from the NFL, but that's going to guide me through all this. And so that obviously leads you in one direction. I know there's been a concerted effort, at least at FedEx over the years, to try to improve the grass. Um, is that something that you guys have also taken on with taking over the team? Or do you feel like the grass at FedEx is in a, is in a much better spot than it was maybe in the past? I think it's in a better spot, but, um, you know, I think that uh, it's going to be hard to do much more than what was done during the season. And so, like, we're going to take a good hard look at it in the, you know, when we get a chance. I think it's in a better spot than it was, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like sand. Yeah. When I was when I was back there playing, you could see us. We'd be running to the left sideline and kicking up sand behind us like a Tasmanian devil. So uh, I definitely think it's it's in a better place now. Yeah, there's there's all kinds of things that um, you know. Obviously, we've been fixing, um, and um, you know, from you know, literally just putting in hot tubs that were needed to uh, Gatorade uh, stations to game clocks in the training facility to new carpet to, you know, um, a tent for the families. But certainly, um, if, you know, the grass, um, you know, you know, player safety, I mean, having people play in an area that, that, you know, to leaks. Uh, so, um, you know, you know, that's an area that, um, you know, that we're, that we're going to keep pretty focused on. It's important. And, uh, Again, we want to be the uh, destination of choice for NFL players. The NFL is a small community. Right. People know wh yeah. who the good teams play for and who the good teams aren't. You know, the people don't treat people right. So you're going to see us erring uh, uh, to go out of our way to make it right. a great place and a hospitable place. And there's nothing more important. I mean, as you know, you know, it, the yeah. average life of, a, of an NFL player is less than four years, which is terrible. Mm hmm. Uh, yeah. and like, we got to all work on that. That's not a sustainable, um, place for anyone to be. And it's not, not fair, not right. So, um, that's something that if we can improve that, uh, you know, I'm interviewing right after this, uh, head of, uh, player wellness, you know, it's going to bring okay. together. It's what we have at Philly where we bring together the docs, the trainers, the therapists, uh, and we really talk about the player you know, as a whole person, like, and what, right. what are the things that they need to maybe come back from injury, maybe not get injured, maybe what, it, right. you know, what, what is, what is their uh, specific, um, you know, blood look like? How, how can we advise them? I mean, <laughs> right. players, obviously they do what they want, but like, we want to make sure they all, have, you know, how, you know, they have all the information about, how to take care of themselves. And like, there's nothing more important than that. Oh, I mean, that is music to my ears and all the players in Washington for sure. Uh, and you talked about that. If you don't mind expanding on really giving back to the players and the fans, like you guys have put what $40 million into the, into the stadium. Just talk about that process and like connecting with the fan base in Washington since you've been there. Yeah. So like, obviously there's, um, there was all kinds of things that, um, you know, that, that people um, had identified as things that we could improve on uh, and they uh, existed at the uh, training facility. Um, they existed at the stadium itself. 
you know, in the locker rooms, um, you know, on the on the field, um, in the stands, in the bathrooms, um, and even on the road, like, you know, could, you know, you know, where do people sleep and uh, the food and so the speakers, like the fans. So it, it was fan experience. It was player um, support and it was, um, you know, just general infrastructure. And so literally uh, my approach was let's go, let's go, let's go. We have like, um, you know, a month and a half, <laughs> right. right? And there's only so many things you can do, right? Some of this stuff takes a while. Right. You have to get, you know, honestly, like we were, I think we've done a good job with, uh, because thankfully, uh, because of the state of Maryland, we were able to do some stuff uh, where, you know, some traffic lanes were opened up. But then there were some other things that required studying by the government in terms of, uh, you know, what they were going to do. And like, so there's just things that take time. Uh, and so my approach was to literally like move it as quickly as possible and just approve everything and move it along. And so. You know, it all added a lot. A lot of it was general infrastructure. Um, you know, there was definitely leaks, like the concrete was splitting. I mean, stuff that, uh, <laughs> right, right, you know, right. a, um, actually, a, um, unfortunately, a uh, railing fell uh, and so just safety that. stuff. Right. Yes. Like and so, yeah, um, you know, we just got onto all that and did as much as we could. And we're continuing to do as much as we can. And, you know, during the season. So that's that's how we approached it. And it added up to 40 million dollars. But. Look, there's a lot more, obviously, that we can do uh, in the off season, and so um, that was that. In terms of um, fan outreach, uh, what we did was we just went, you know, all over the place uh, in the DMV, from um, boys and girls clubs to dinners to you know meeting to press to fan events, and we just engaged with the community and we just said hello and we, you know, in some cases, you know you know, gave out beer. In some cases we had party in some cases, I mean, right. magic, you know, took care of some kids and, uh, right. you know, we just try to meet as many people as we could as quickly as we could and listen to what their concerns were. And also just show them that, you know, we cared, um, and that, you know, we were going to be here and that it wasn't just, uh, you know, it wasn't just uh, an investment that it was like a passion and that we cared about right. the community and we cared about the team and the, and the people in the DMV. And like speaking for myself, like I grew up in Chevy Chase, you know, I it's so good to be back. I mean, it's amazing. I'm getting a lot of uh, I'm getting those. Remember me from uh, old cousins who like, <laughs> haven't heard of him in 20 years, which, by the way, it's fine. Keep If you're listening, you, it's OK. Like, keep on coming. But, uh, it's pretty funny, but I like it, you know, and I'm glad to be back. And I, I've always I love, you know, my child here was like really great. And, you know, I married the New York woman. So I, I went up to New York for a bit, but it's great to be back. I mean, I think that's one of the best things you've done, Josh, is your ability to listen. Uh, I think listening to the fans uh, and kind of implementing things that they've been concerned about, I think, has gone a very, very long way. Clearly, uh, you know, just talking to you, you've been super eager to not only have this opportunity to be the owner of the commanders, uh, but also to to do the outreach. So quickly, you know, I've been a guy that I'm walking down the street. Somebody says hi to me. I think they're talking to me and they're not right. They're on the phone. They got the AirPods in kind of tricks me a little bit. Yeah. So that, that moment that you had with, with Troy Aikman and Joe Buck in the, in the booth, when you shook his hand, 
when it looked like he was trying to give you a handshake. Just just talk us through that moment, because I've been there, too. I've shaken hands when they didn't think when they thought it was just a hand gesture. So you're not alone there. Yeah, look, I mean, he stuck his hand out, and so I shook it. I mean, I, I didn't want to leave him hanging. You know, it really was that simple. I mean, go. you know, obviously I might have missed the cue. But, look, what people don't realize, I mean, obviously, and you realize it, is, um, yep. you know, and and I'm coming to realize it. Um, you know, obviously, I've gotten some notoriety over the years, but, you know, this has taken it up a level, is that there's a lot of scrutiny around everything you do, right? But uh, in, in terms of that, and, you know, um, but in terms of that, that was it was really that simple. I wasn't going to leave the guy hanging, especially on Monday Night Football. <laughs> it was in my house. There you uh, go. You know, so you, you stuck his hand out and I shook it. It's your house, right? It's your house now. He's. Yeah, I'm, I'm not mad at you for shaking the hand at all. I think I thought it was a beautiful moment. I thought it was hilarious. I didn't think it was anything that was bad about it because it's happened to all of us where we've mistaken something for something else. You can't take yourself too seriously. I thought it was funny. You definitely can't take yourself too seriously. So before I let you go, I want to ask you one other question. Sure. Josh Harris, who is the one that inspired you the most? The one that is kind of like your hero? Yeah, so the guy that inspired me honestly was my father uh and um you know he um you know had come from um you know his uh a poor family he had been the first in his um in in his family line to go to college and uh he went to penn and then he be he became uh his dad had been a repairman and his my grandfather had been you know an immigrant so we're all we're like many people here through ellis island escaping religious persecution and he worked his way up and you know did well at Penn and got a scholarship and then you know became an orthodontist and then so it was like that sort of story but also um he was always giving back to his kids uh he never missed a wrestling match never missed you know soccer game he was brutal on homework he was like study <laughs> study 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 and he like but other right. than that you know he was you know, a kind person and someone to emulate, someone that had worked his way up, someone that worked really hard and expected excellence out of us and and paid it forward to us. And I wouldn't be, you know, where I am. One of the reasons why it's an amazing thing for me to be a steward of this franchise and, and to and for the DMV is that uh, so many people paid it forward for me. And so it gives me the opportunity to pay it forward for others. Oh, that's that's beautiful, man. And thank you, man, for for jumping on, doing this podcast, doing this show. It means the world to me. Uh, I'm definitely coming out to a couple more games. And I'm very excited about the future with you at the helm because you've completely changed the organization. Com con you changed the, the feeling when people walk into the building, not just uh, the, the building for the players, but also into the stadium. That's what I felt like was the most prominent thing from the fans and what they were saying to me. It wasn't just the cheering of me that, that made me feel great and made my daughters feel super special. It was the fact that the building has so much more positive energy in it and you're the culprit. Now, the team is winning and that's awesome, but it takes leadership from the top down to make an organization go. And I think that you're the right man for the job and you're proving that every single day. Well, thank you, Robert. And you're welcome anytime and bring your bring your lovely family and look forward to hanging more. And hopefully we keep this streak going. Let's go. No doubt about it. Let's Three go. Through, you know, Let's take the bells. <laughs> All right. See, see, see you soon. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. 
It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Wow, what an honor it was to have the one and only Josh Harris, the owner of the team that I was drafted to that changed my life as one of the first guests on RG3 and the Ones. Just a phenomenal interview there. But now, we're going to get to the ones to watch. I'm going to give you three people, three players that I want you to keep your eye on. And the very first one is very near and dear to me and just an incredible story of Houston Texans wide receiver John Mechie III. He had his first NFL catch last week after battling leukemia, right? He was diagnosed right after he was drafted. He went through that battle. He won that battle and is now cancer-free. And now he's back on the football field catching passes from the one and only C.J. Stroud. And I want you to know, John Mechie III is an absolute baller. I got an opportunity to cover him while he was at Alabama, met him on the field, let him know how saucy I think his route running ability is. And just in case you were wondering, the man's got a Ph.D. in route running. Okay, he's got a doctorate. He's incredible and he's going to help C.J. Stroud continue to solidify himself as a franchise quarterback and one of the best quarterbacks, young quarterbacks in the league right now. So make sure you keep your eyes on John Mechie the third. The second person I want you to keep your eyes on is Mr. B. John Dijon Robinson. Not say Dijon because he's got his own mustard, but B. John Robinson used to be the running back at the University of Texas. He is now the starting running back for the Atlanta Falcons. Now, you go back to Texas over the last two years, this man has broken 183 tackles. 183. The next closest man, 123. So, for Bijan Robinson to be doing what he's doing now, putting up a bu- 124 rushing yards last week, catching the ball out of the backfield, he is the key to that Atlanta Falcons offense. And I'll tell you right now, you might not know this, but I got a good relationship with Bijan. And I, had, I interviewed him one time, and I found out, that his name is actually Persian. You know what it stands for? It stands for hero. But guess what? This man makes every defense he faces feel like he's the villain. So keep your eyes on Bijan Robinson. He's doing his thing there for the Atlanta Falcons. And the third guy isn't an NFL player, but he's a college quarterback that is literally lighting up the scoreboard right now, Mr. Michael Penix Jr. I want you to keep your eyes on him because he has a phenomenal story and he's a phenomenal player. Michael Penix Jr. spent four years, his first four years of college football, with a season-ending injury every single year. This was at, the, at Indiana. Then he decided to transfer to the University of Washington where his old offensive coordinator, Kalen DeBoer, was. And it's been fireworks ever since. Last year, he led the number one passing attack in all of college football. This year, he is out there slinging it, has Washington rising up the rankings as their number eight in the country right now. But he's also rising up many boards. One of those boards is the Heisman list. He might be the number one guy for the Heisman right now, three weeks into the season. But he's also rising up the draft boards. And what it is about him He can make every possible throw known to man. He leads college football in passing yards. He has 12 passing touchdowns and he's completing 74% of his passes, which is why I always say when it comes to Michael Penix Jr., his nickname is Big Penix Energy. I gave him that nickname last year and I will continue to hold on to it for all of eternity. But this man is a lefty but he throws it just right. Keep your eyes on Michael Penix Jr. He is one of the ones to watch. Woo! 
So, want to say shout out to not only John Mechie the Third, Bijan Robinson, and Michael Penix Jr., but also to my first ever guest on the podcast, Mr. Josh Harris and DK Metcalf. Oh, it's been an honor being able to interview these guys and talk football and honestly talk life. So thank you to all those guys for coming on. Thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe to the page on YouTube or wherever you find podcasts and follow us on social media at RG3 and the ones. We're going to be having these clips coming to you guys nonstop. It's going to be a blast. Let's have fun and let's celebrate sport the way that it's supposed to be celebrated. So once again, RG3 and the Ones is presented by Wave Sports and Entertainment in partnership with Whispering Host Productions. And I want to say thank you to everybody on both sides of the table for helping make this show a possibility. All right. Peace out.